I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. We are recording this Monday, April 21. Nope. April 12, 2021. There we go. And we have no idea when we're going to release this. No clue. Watch, we're going to say that and we're going to release it in a week. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, with the world starting to maybe open back up someday soon, we thought we wanted um, an episode banked because who knows? (laughs) We might want some time off. What? That's crazy. Actually travel somewhere? I have not slept outside of my bed in over 16 months. What? Yeah. Do you want to sleep in my trailer that's in front of my house? (laughs) No. (laughs) Not even a little bit. (laughs) Wow, that's impressive. It's it's bizarre. I I don't know that I've ever gone this long. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if... I ever have done that. Oh, I haven't done that. I've never done that. But when would you do that ever again? Never. Or ever before? Like maybe. I, I have no idea. I can't come up with a scenario. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else I was thinking about this weekend was conferences. Oh. And uh, like that jittery excitement going into the morning of a conference networking getting the swag i yeah i i'm i i'm apparently speechless (laughs) remember our last conference that we went to together in person well which one was that it was where we named this podcast (laughs) when you committed to vu that we were going to start a podcast yes and it happened it happened and we saw a fox we saw a fox while sitting in a hot tub on a full moon night. For Brittany, with all of her uh, beliefs about Mm -hmm. the world, it was a a big moment for her. It was. It was very magical. And a lot of great shit happened from it. So, I mean, I think you should start becoming a believer. I saw Fox. That was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is totally random, but you made me think of this. I saw on the news, oh, you know how we were talking about um, shopping at places that our moms used to shop at? Yes. For clothes? (laughs) Yeah. So another kind of rite of passage thing is now um, I, every Sunday, I I like to watch CBS Sunday Morning. And that's something that my dad did every Sunday growing up. Mm-hmm. It's another rite of passage thing of like, here I am. I'm like at the age of my parents that I remember them doing stuff like this. So I was watching CBS Sunday morning and they had a story about a 13-year-old Boy Scout who wanted to sleep in a tent every night for a year and he did it for 366 days wow just for the hell of it just for the hell of it it started during quarantine 
and he put a tent outside of his Connecticut home and every single night for an entire year he slept in that tent. You can tell that that's a child thing. My my back could not handle that. <laughs> right? <laughs> his parents definitely did not join him. Wow. I mean, they probably did a few times, but they weren't out there every night. That so That's fun. I know. I thought that was kind of cool. Somehow I've ended up on through hiker TikTok. I don't I don't know why. Uh it's not my thing. I don't even know what what is what are you saying? When they do like the long distance hikes, they like ultralight, they dehydrate all their food in advance, they ship things ahead of themselves. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um they like Why are you on that? I don't know. I really don't know. I think I I'm for those of you not on TikTok, it's very algorithmic based. So if you like or interact with a, a video, you start seeing a lot more of them like them. And so I think I liked a video where a guy was talking about how he like broke his toothbrush in half. So he didn't have the weight of that other half of the toothbrush. What? And all these really funny ultralight things. And so I'm watching all these people dehydrate all this food like tomato sauce, cooked rice, which, by the way, is very different than dry rice. Dehydrated cooked rice is different, I have now learned. I don't, I don't know how to get off it. I don't want this, to know these things. This is a whole world that I know nothing about, but I feel like it's prepping you for the end of days. Oh, good God. I do love a good prep show. I know. So here you go. Like you're getting some really valuable information for your go, your go bag. That's interesting. I haven't thought about it in that context. You're right. <laughs> I'm ready to start stocking my bunker. Exactly. I know where to come now. I'm going to head straight for your house. Which is funny because it's already like that. I've got like, <laughs> I know. you know, months worth of toothpaste at all times what was it the other day my husband was like we're oh i'm out of hand soap will you add to the list and i was like honey you've got three different ones under your sink check yeah please please. do you even know me clearly not (laughs) well i am excited um to talk today for our evergreen episode because i do think that this is going to be an issue that is going to last forever that there will always uh, be some fundraiser with the story. Um, and a lot of the, the stuff that we're going to talk about today is not new. It's not novel. But the reason I want to talk about it is um, because I had a friend seek me out uh, for some advice last week. And these themes were brought up and they're themes that I hear about all the time. And themes that apparently we will not resolve in the next month. No. Okay, great. No. So here she is. She's a fundraiser. She's been in the um, sector for, I don't know, maybe like seven years, something like that. And she's in between jobs. And she just moved to a new city. And so she starts looking for development jobs and finds one with this great organization doing good work in the community. And she wanted me to read the job description and then help her, you know, formulate some questions for her interview. Had a great first interview, is now going to be called back for the second interview, but she's got some concerns, some red flags, mm. and wanted to go through those red flags with me. 
So the organization um, has their headquarters in one city, a really large city. And then her position that she's applying for is kind of a satellite office, I'm putting that in quotes, in another city about an hour and a half away. Mm -hmm. And so this position that she's applying for would have one other person in her same town helping with some things, but on a part-time basis. And she would be reporting to um, her supervisor that's at the headquarters. Okay. So not on the ground where she is. So you're talking like 1.5 FTE in their area doing the fundraising. Yes. Okay. But they're not just doing the fundraising. So I read through the job description and yes, fundraising is a big part of it, but it's also helping with program delivery. <laughs> okay. On week on weekends. Oh, great. Um, and it's also helping with, um, I mean, it's like community partnership work, uh, individual donor development, um, hosting some smaller events that are happening. And then also doing, helping with this program delivery on the weekends. Oh, my. So I read over the job description. It's a big fucking job. That sounds like the job of four people. Yeah, it's a big fucking job. But even more than that is that they said they've had turnover in this position twice now. I forget in how long, but it was recent. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't like over the last 10 years. Um, so in the last couple of years, they've had turnover twice. And they want to increase their individual fundraising in this area, in this region, from $300,000 to $500,000 in one year. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, a 66% increase in one year with a brand new fundraiser on the team. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. And so she wanted to know um, if she should stay in the race for the job. Yeah. So they, they've got it down to four candidates and they're going to do second round interviews. And um, she's concerned, right? Like, do you, yeah. th- and she's asking me, do you think I should take this job? And what comes up for me is that she actually would be a great person for this job. Mm. I I think that her skill set would um, really be beneficial mm-hmm. There's some concern that she's new to the area, and so she doesn't have a lot of connections in the community, like, you know, long-term established connections. But she's the type of person that will do that quickly. Yep. Right? She's very outgoing. She's very bubbly personality. She's um, she's a connector just in her own life. And so even though I'm like, oh, that, that could be, you know, take longer – but I think that she would be great at having that happen as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. But what's the backstory? Like, so my question to her was, how do they plan on doing that 66% increase? Right. Yeah, with you and what army? 
with you in what army? What kind of support are you going to have? Is there a fundraising plan? Yeah. Are these already like well-established relationships and it's a like super warm to hot handoff? Mm -hmm. Or are you building these relationships from scratch? Right. And it infuriates me because of this level of expectation. That's wild. I don't care who you are. Who the fuck is coming into a brand new position like that and increasing their fundraising by 66% in one year? Nobody. Absolutely nobody. Not not solo. Not solo. So what'd you tell her? Well, so this is what I told her. I told her that she should go into the second interview as if she's interviewing them mm-hmm. yep. rather than them interviewing her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the best jobs that I've gotten in my life are jobs that I didn't even really know if I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds strange, but where there was an opportunity for to apply for a position that sounded interesting, but, you know, maybe I was not totally dissatisfied in my current position and so it allowed me a little bit and I recognize not everybody's in this position in life um it allowed me to be a little bit more choosy yeah and 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 ultimately what it allowed me to do is be a hundred percent honest yeah so instead of just like let's say what they want to hear let me say, oh, this sounds great. Oh, that's great. You know, and let me ask all the perfect questions. Let me interview them, find out what the real story is, and then tell them what I need in order to accept the position. Entirely spot on. So, I mean, this is not an uncommon story. Have you heard this before? Well, I was just thinking back. I was working with a board probably a year or two ago. And um, their staff was going to hire their first in-house fundraiser, a development director. Um, And up until then, the ED had done it. And of course, we know when like the ED is also the program director and the finance director and all those things, fundraising is this little sliver. Um, And they were in the middle of budgeting and and asking like, what, what is a reasonable increase? And I was like, okay, so this is the first time you're actually dedicating resources to fundraising. There will be an immediate leveling up. Absolutely. Because now you're going to have consistent communications going out and stewardship. Right. So for you all going from no fundraising dedicated person to now a full FTE, there will definitely be an increase. But your fundraiser is working with your current donor base. So that is only going to take them so far. You're going to need as a board to continue to be cultivating relationships, working in the community. And because this is a new position, that person's going to be developing a fundraising plan from scratch, creating collateral from scratch. And so there's going to be a period of time where they might not be actively engaging with new community members as potential donors, where the board really needs to be stepping in. And even then, I did not recommend a 50% increase whatsoever. Right. <laughs> I mean, that that's that two-thirds increase is wild. Um, and what I always tell boards is if you want to increase your fundraising revenue, you have to commit dollars to it. 
It doesn't just happen. So for this board, it was great because they had committed, right? They, they're adding a whole salary into their budget for this new hire that was going to certainly elicit some results. Now, what we saw after their first year was a significant increase. She hit it out of the park. She engaged. They also had COVID, and thank goodness they had somebody in-house who could be responding to the opportunities. I, I don't know what they would have done without that. And so she was wild, wildly successful in 2020, which is her first full calendar year um, with the organization. And so now they're asking, well, what's the next big hurdle? When can we hit that next milestone? And it for them, it is all about donor retention and what that pipeline is. And they don't have a strong pipeline. They don't have a strong way they're bringing new donors in. And their retention rate, it can only go so far. You will start to see declines unless you can bring new people in. But don't you think that sometimes that is the logic that they're using to set these unreasonable expectations in order to justify adding this money to our budget for a new salary, for a new position, we're going to offset that by showing the gain is going to be four times that right. or something. Right. And why is it that I just feel like nonprofits can't, they can't quite understand that whole sometimes you have to spend money to make money right. concept. Well, and especially when it's a new position, there is going to be a period of just assessing what type of fundraising should they even be engaging in, right? So often organizations, before they have fundraising staff or before they have sufficient fundraising staff, it is so haphazard. We're doing every single fucking dine out. We're running sponsorship letters up and down Main Street. We're doing all these things that don't actually... We got Amazon smile. Oh, our Amazon smile is off the chain. Um, And so bringing in a fundraiser who's actually going to assess and figure out what makes the most sense is going to take time, too. That doesn't happen overnight. Side note, I got an email from Amazon smile um, saying that. A cease and desist. (laughs) (laughs) It was signed by Jeff Bezos himself. Um, Saying that in all of my thousands and thousands of dollars worth of purchasing over the last however many years, a grand total of $47 had been (laughs) donated on my behalf to my Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I know. I'm I'm waiting for that defamation lawsuit against us. (laughs) (laughs) It's not unfounded. We would win that's when you know we've hit the big time (laughs) (laughs) yes you're absolutely right i mean there's so much there especially if it's a brand new brand new position Mm -hmm. come on it's going to take time for to even develop what that position is going to be focusing on Mm -hmm. um and then you know, everybody fancies themselves an expert fundraiser, so they're going to be told what they should be spending their time on. So then it's going to take even more time to figure out what works and doesn't work and how to stop listening to the things that don't work. I mean, there's just so much. And I think that that's what I really came away from my conversation with her about is just shake my head at it takes time. It takes time. And again and again and again, 
these people were being put in positions to be magic workers that is just unfair. Yeah. Well, that's why it's called the unicorn. I mean, not only are you expected to do all of the things, but you're going to do them at a level that has never been accomplished before as a brand new hire. (laughs) Right. Right. Just like the narwhal. (laughs) (laughs) For context, we were talking about mythical creatures, and I shared with Brittany in confidence that I thought (laughs) narwhals were mythical until a few years ago. (laughs) I just don't think there is such a big leap from narwhal to unicorn. So I'm just going to double down on my questioning of whether unicorns are mythical. <laughs> oh, good God. Um, but yes, there, we know that fundraisers have a high attrition rate. Right. That they are leaving in droves. And the unfortunate part about it is that they're not just leaving. They're leaving after being beaten down for a year and a half. Yeah. It's not a positive experience. And it's no wonder that not only are they leaving, but they're leaving the sector completely. Mm-hmm. You know, we recently recorded an episode on community-centric fundraising. And I've been thinking about what those principles can do to actually address this issue. And I think, you know, part of it is when, when you shift to this community-centric approach and you are genuinely putting your organization aside for the best interests of the community and your fundraisers are in that, I feel like not only does it shift fundraising from being one person's job, but to a the community's job in a lot of respects, but it also allies, allows this tie-in to the programs and the impact in a way that we often really struggle to find. And for fundraisers, that that's a big part of it. When you are running ragged, trying to chase down every single dollar, you will burn out, especially when you are doing it fully siloed. Yep. As we start to bring all this together, you've got a team. Yeah, it might be your program director who's on your team who has no idea how to do fundraising, but now you genuinely have a team approach because it's this collective action that you're taking to raise funds for your community. Absolutely. And so that's why I feel like this episode is really a call out to organizations to stop. Stop. To boards, stop. To leadership, stop. Stop expecting that you're going to hire somebody who's going to solve all of your money problems in one year and that they're going to do it alone. And um, if they don't, then that means that they're not doing their job. And so... You're finding somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then it's also a call to fundraisers that when you're applying for these jobs to ask, ask the hard questions. I mean, get the whole picture before you sign on and say yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can still love their mission, but if they are not being, if they don't have a plan already, and they're expecting you to come in and hit the ground running Ugh. and get things going. I hate that um, I know. Probably because I hate it's running. It's just... <laughs> well, it's just ridiculous. 
I was just reminded of uh, a job interview I did. This was eight, nine years ago. Um, I was interviewing for an executive director role, small organization. Um, the ED was also the primary fundraiser. And so, of course, I'm interviewing with a bunch of board members. And uh, I, I've referenced this interview before because this is the one where they had me do an ask on the spot, unprompted, unprepared. Yep. Yep. I've done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thanks, folks. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. So much fun. But when they had asked me about my my ideas about how to grow the fundraising, I talked about it as as a group effort, that I was going to work with the board and we were going to do it together. Uh, I didn't get the job. And I actually think that that's one of the big reasons why. Instead of saying, yep, I got this. I, I will take all your worries away. I said, no, you're going to have to work with me. You're going to have to do some of this too. And they didn't want to. That's so telling because they're sitting here saying, well, you know, we put this money in the budget. Why do you think we have this money in the budget? Why are we paying you to make us do the work? Mm-hmm. It's so, yeah. I mean, I remember when I applied to a job and oh also the interview where three interviews with seven to ten people each and they had me get up and do a um, rally like rally your staff oh like I told you this. A, a cheer kind of thing yeah they're like okay you're you know it's three days before the end of the year you're so close to hitting your budget like what are you going to say to your team to pump them up and get them excited to hit their final budget goal mm-hmm. and so that's what i had to do um but they one thing i did appreciate um even though they kept questioning my age and I had to tell them that that was um, illegal. Illegal? Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, one thing that they did do that I appreciated was they were very transparent about the financials. Oh, that's good. And it was like from the very beginning, look, we're in a deficit. <laughs> <laughs> You're coming in uh, to help us dig out of a hole. And so it just reminded me, because not every place I've ever gone to has done that, that that is completely valid questioning when you're applying for a position. Can I see your financials? Yep. How have you been ending the year? Have you hit your budget goals the last couple of years? If not, why not? Mm -hmm. Why do you have turnover in this position? Yes. Why did people leave? You know that maybe they're not going to give you the straight answer, but you can kind of read between the lines you know Mm -hmm. um you know what has worked in your fundraising what hasn't if they don't know then clearly they have nothing to do with the fundraising and it's going to be all on your shoulders Mm -hmm. like these are the questions that i want to empower applicants to ask yeah yeah i think that that line of questioning right there if i was hiring if I was back in my executive director role hiring for a development director, somebody came in with those questions, I'd be like, ah, they know their shit. They want to yep. come in eyes wide open. That's the kind of fundraiser I would want. And if I didn't, thank goodness the fundraiser found that out. And they could right. pull their name in advance. Yep. That did just remind me, though, too, you know, in my job now as a consultant, we, we don't do direct fundraising. Um, we equip organizations to do it themselves. And so uh, that's often like a point of clarification, especially early on with a prospective client. Like, no, I will not be 
soliciting your major donors for you. I'm happy to coach you. We'll go through materials, talking points. We'll, we'll get you ready so you can do it. But at the end of the day, you know your organization best. You know what's going on. I don't. I'm an external fundraiser, fundraising consultant. I, I shouldn't be doing that for you. So um, a colleague of mine and I were uh, in final interviews for a big contract for a capital campaign. And that was clearly a sticking point. And we went round and round and round in the interviews of like, no, we will not do direct solicitation. No, we will not bring our own Rolodex to these meetings. Right. We are here to equip you. Um, and we also kept saying, this is a great moment. You're going to develop all of these amazing relationships through the capital campaign that you want long term. We don't want this to be transactional, which it would be if we were the ones directly fundraising for you and also less effective. Um well, what we found out is the other finalist was willing to do a direct solicitation. No. So, of course, that's what the board went with. Who wouldn't want to hire somebody to do the thing that you're most scared of? And is that a person allowed to do that? Yeah, there are different types of registrations that you can get that allow that. I, I just, for myself, for my company, I find that unethical, and so I never would. Right. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, if you have someone who says, I'm well-connected and I know the right people and I can call them and I can ask them to be a part of this, they're going to say, great. Yeah. The question is whether or not that actually worked. Right. I would love to know. I know. I if that's... can't wait to hear. <laughs> well, and I, I think it comes back to your central point, too, of like it takes time. If you think you can hire a fundraising consultant off the street and in three months we're getting you six-figure gifts... Uh, that that's just so unrealistic on so many levels but the whole hope is that you have been developing relationships with these people over time right like the this thought that oprah winfrey is going to come in and just drop a check on your desk from her private jet that that's not how this works and right. so similarly when you're hiring for somebody hiring for a position whether new or existing there it takes time it just it takes time it just takes time. It takes time, and I was thinking about this too, and you said the word earlier, inconsistency. Time and consistency, yep. And sometimes money. Usually money. Yeah, usually money. Always money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we want to hear from you. I would love to hear any stories that you've had about jobs that you were interviewing for and um, – the ridiculous expectations that they had set out for the position and whether or not you ended up taking it. Well, that'd be really interesting. I know. Would that be so fun? Yeah. So uh, you're probably wondering how to tell us that. Um, if you're new to the pod, especially, I'm going to give you the, the inside track. Don't worry. We don't <laughs> give this out every week or anything. <laughs> Email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com, or you can direct message us through Facebook or Instagram. And remember to support your local nonprofits if you have capacity by giving and giving generously. Thanks, folks. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much. <laughs>